Welcome everyone to uh, this podcast in a series of podcasts hosted by the Faculty of Humanities. Uh, we are from the Department of Politics and International Relations and a little bit of what we're going to be talking about today is around uh, democracy uh, in the 21st century in light of new technologies, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic and in light of uh, political uh, polarization. Uh, so my name is uh, Basson Zenze, uh, the head of department in uh, politics and international relations. And with me today is a very special guest, uh, an esteemed colleague uh, of mine, uh, Professor Spamanta Zondi, uh, who specializes uh, in a lot of areas uh, in, in, in politics. Uh, his work uh, touches quite a bit on, uh, on, on uh, decoloniality, uh, on African studies, uh, and on Africa's international relations. Uh, among many others, uh, including uh, broader international relations in terms of, of, of the BRICS. Uh, and that's just a real small sliver yeah. of, what, uh, of what you get up to, Prof. Zondi. Yes. Uh, so what we're going to be talking about, um, as I've laid out, is around democracy. Uh, and democracy, it would, it would seem for the past uh, decade, maybe a little bit more, has been in trouble. Uh, there's been the so-called uh, democratic reversal uh, in the past decade. So can you discuss this phenomenon uh, for, for, for uh, our audience, uh, many of whom will be students, no doubt, uh, getting entry into, into the program? Uh, what is democratic reversal and how might it be measured? Yeah, the democratic reversals have been happening way before COVID-19 arrived. And they had come mainly from the failures of democracy to address certain things, mm -hmm. Uh, certain situations on the periphery, especially uh, inability to take people out of poverty, inability to overcome the social ills, inability um, to um, improve people's livelihood, had discredited democracy in certain areas and led to certain revival, a shift towards uh, nationalism, ultra-nationalism to populism, a shift to autocracy, embracing autocracy, has been happening over a period of time about strong leaders, perhaps with strong institutions, and all of those kinds of things and all that. But COVID-19 simply accelerated some of those trends. Mm -hmm. It definitely accelerated the idea of a big government. Uh, it definitely accelerated the idea of a... <clears throat> A, a, the ability of those in authority uh, to take decisions with limited consultation. I see, I see. Uh, the ability uh, of states uh, to limit people's rights, individual rights and, and freedoms and stuff, and the ability of the, the state to use its crude mm. um, physical force mm. Mm. in the name of putting people out of danger. And that was most apparent during the lockdowns when they had to force people into their houses and get them out of bins and get them out of all of the stuff. The, the, the autocratic uh, sentiment of the state, which lies right below, sure. usually hidden, was given a, a boost. I see. And, you, I see. and you saw a lot of excesses sure. and uh, people being killed, people being injured, uh, people with mm -hmm. property being destroyed in the name of imposing some form of discipline. And that, and that helps in significant way in reversing democracy physically. But it also reverses the idea of democracy. It discredits the idea of democracy because they had democracies globally that are very well known, acting autocratically. And then there you had democracies that emerged and have become an example like South Africa, like Kenya, yeah, like Cote d'Ivoire and all that, acting autocratically. 
mm. autocratic. But people whose mind sit somewhere between these options, the, the options have been made starker in favor I of see. a more autocratic democracy. So in many ways, mm. the Chinese, the East Asian model mm. uh, became the normal I model see. right through sure. the world, by the way. Sure. Sure. Uh, sure. Even in the United States, where there was a resistance to try to mm. do this, to, to become, where this was not done, mm. you had chaos, like mm. in the United States, mm. because they couldn't decide one way or the other. Mm. So you had a runaway virus and sure. stuff like that. So that's something better. I see. And and COVID has uh, really uh, been a blessing for autocracies yes. and for the autocratic uh, the method of of governing. And this is interesting because uh, if Francis Fukuyama is to be believed. We ought to not have uh, been seeing, uh, you know, this uh, this phenomenon because a liberal democracy had won the day uh, with the end of the of the Cold War. But I suppose the um, the, the the lean and mean state, if yes. you will, uh, has just failed to live up, yeah. and has also failed in terms of nation building. Uh, yes. As we see this uh, this polarization, also undergirded by inequality. Yes, uh, yes. But but it is not also quite new. Mm. Democracies have got this far through an element of autocracy. I see. I see. Uh, I if see. you look at how the democracies have been able to achieve development, mm. the only way they've been able to achieve development has been mm. to organize society in particular ways and organize by the elite. Mm. Be it the Keynesian system in the, in the United States, or in, so in the United Kingdom, or the post called the post uh, Second World War system in the United States, the element of autocracy, mm-hmm. but that should not undermine people's rights to the extent mm-hmm. where they become meaningless. So there's always been a need for some form of balance between the two. The mistake we have made is to see these things in black and white. Democracy is a is a sure. is a good. And autocracy is an evil. Perhaps it is not. Mm, there is somewhere <laughs> where they meet, uh-huh. and they both become evil mm. when they cease to be about the good of the people. I see. I see, and become concepts in themselves and yes. ideals in themselves. Yes, uh, without really a reflection of their mm. utility uh, yeah. for the for the greater good. Yeah. Uh, that is quite interesting, and I'm also reminded uh, of a new book that came out uh, this year. Um, an edited volume, but in, in there there's a very interesting chapter around um, really how democracy and how it's really shown uh, during COVID, how even democracies have always relied on um, on pockets of oppression. Yes. As we've seen now with COVID, some uh, communities, some, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, parts of 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 the of the of, of our polities uh, have been excluded, and and it's showing in the quality of care that they get or lack thereof, um, it's uh, it's uh, quite interesting. Uh, yeah. Then that uh, you know even in, in democratic in strong democracies, yes. the concept of we the people always means excluding. Uh, we cannot take for granted that we the people is all of the people. Uh, there's always that um, every democracy has its other, uh, in yes. a sense. It's always been a coexistence of the will of the people mm-hmm. with the will of power. Mm. The will to power or will of power mm. is about the elite that control the system, often uh, to do it in the interest or in the mm. interest of everybody. But in other words, uh, will to power with public interest. I see. I see. It's always I see. been that is how democracies excuse themselves around more autocratic. Mm. Mm. But secondly, mm. is that 
we've tolerated some element of autocracy provided it is regulated mm-hmm. by constitutions, by laws. Yes. For example, in South Africa, and in many countries, we saw that now during COVID-19, they all have a, a state of disaster mm-hmm. or a state of emergency act, mm-hmm. which regulates how do you limit people's mm-hmm. rights. In other words, how do you limit our democracy mm-hmm. and do it in a manner mm-hmm. that is transparent mm-hmm. and that is reasonable and that is based on some reasonable justification and with some form of consultation. So consulting all the political parties and all the stakeholders to to say to them, understand that we are about to mm. climb down from our high state of democracy to a kind of a lower one, but we're doing that for public good. For the sake of the public good. And that's led to quite a lot of writing yeah. in South Africa around the notion of states of exception. Yes. That you know the government is suspending the law, but for your own good. Yes. Uh, but always again, uh, with more of this happening in uh, for some parts of the of the of yes. the nation than others. You know, when the troops were deployed, uh, yes. they were in very specific parts of the of, of the country yeah. uh, to quote unquote help them uh, follow the regulations. Yeah. But really, um, showing the strong arm of the state, mm-hmm. and of course, democracy does not come out of no context. Uh, it's always a hostage to uh, to to heritage, and South Africa is a very strong heritage of of the military being deployed to control the population, uh, you know, before 1994. And that last point is very important because mm-hmm. it says to us, democracy have always needed to be renegotiated and renegotiated. It's not something that is you you achieve and place there mm-hmm. and then operate by it. You you constantly remake it and remaking it. I mean, if you look at the United States, sure. yeah. the Trump period was a period for them that tested. The, the confines, mm-hmm. the, the boundaries of their democracy. And out, out of the Trump period, mm-hmm. they have learned to now t- not take it for granted uh-huh. and uh-huh. kind of rebuild it mm-hmm. and renegotiate. They're now mm-hmm. going all through, throughout all the states yeah. in the United States, yeah. they're all yeah. revising the electoral law, mm-hmm. which, is, which is an outcome. <laughs> so there can be a positive outcome of mm-hmm. it. The threats to democracy mm-hmm. resulted in people being more conscious of the dangers mm. of what I like they your take optimism. for granted. I like your optimism. <laughs> because like, in, in, yeah. in, in Italy, it hits mm. them when they were under a terribly uh, right-wing government, mm. you know, mm. very right-wing, anti all these modern things mm. and stuff. But, but the circumstances that came there changed mm. even that government and that party. Sure. And then it became a little bit more conscious of the need to address the need mm. to do that. Because mm. people started to protest. Remember, mm. they protest all over Absolutely. after lockdown and stuff. Absolutely. So there's it's changes that have happened mm. inadvertently mm. because the, the, the elite seek to assume greater power out of a crisis. Mm. But often, the, the conscious down others, mm. the downtrodden, tend to see an opportunity there mm. to fight back mm. and do that. So that contestation is sure. inherent in democracy and I guess we're going to be renegotiating this new phase of democracy. Yeah. Maybe yeah. there's a new democracy emerging. I see. I, see. I, see. I like that optimism, <laughs> especially with the work going on in the United States because uh, from the little that I've seen uh, in terms of uh, the legislation, quite, actually quite a lot of it is about voter suppression. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, uh, really about uh, you know uh, what the Americans call gerrymandering, so that the politicians choose their electors, not the other way around, so that they yes. design the electoral map to favor, uh, to to really lock in certain kinds of outcomes, 
and a lot of this were coming in uh, out of the of the of the Republican Party. Yes. Uh, but we have our own election uh, yes. coming up uh, coming up this year. Uh, what um, what are your expectations, and 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 how will COVID nineteen impact? Uh, the voting and possibly the outcome. Certainly, many many governments, especially those that are in power, hope that the crisis will buy them time. They always hope that uh, being the ones managing the crisis, if it happens to be managed successful, they can gain a mileage out of it. So they can claim um, uh, success out of it. Mm -hmm. In the same way that, you know, uh, failure, trying and failing to manage a crisis Mm -hmm. would likely cost you, like it cost Trump, yeah, Trump yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. lost it because of that. Uh, but others have actually consolidated power because they are seen mm. uh, to be the ones behind it. Mm. Germany, yeah, the New Zealand, Christian Democratic yeah. Party yeah. is going to remain there because of that reason. Mm. Uh, I just told you about the Italian party, mm. which was in going to be in trouble mm. thanks to the COVID nineteen. It back. In, in the driving seat in Portugal sure. and Spain, even New Zealand, uh, that, uh, just in the in New Zealand, yeah. they have a star mm. in Prime power who, yeah. who just knew how to harness mm. this crisis mm. for their good. Now, mm. the question is whether the ANC in South Africa has harnessed mm. the good mm. this for, to its good, and whether the alternative party, which runs certain parts like the DA, have harnessed this for good. Mm. What, what I did notice for sure mm. is that in the early stages. Um, at least until about August, when people really became a bit more exasperated, mm. President Ramaphosa was firmly in the seat. Absolutely, actually acquired a lot Absolutely. more power in, yeah. in many ways, in yeah. ways, and, and became a dominant one. Then the usual appeared: mm-hmm. the scandals, mm-hmm. the COVID nineteen corruption mm-hmm. came. Mm-hmm. It reminded people nothing has changed. Absolutely. So in a way, sure. then the AMC saw a change. If mm-hmm. the election took place in August, in, mm-hmm. in July, August, it would have garnered more votes. I see. But unfortunately, the election is happening after that, mm-hmm. which means it has lost a bit more votes. Sure. <laughs> so, sure. so, and then this thing now, it was a number of ANC leaders. If you look mm-hmm. at it, the, mm-hmm. the people who were found on the wrong side of the laws mm-hmm. were ANC leaders. Uh-huh. The ANC that passes the law. Yeah, yeah. It's not the opposition leader. No opposition leader was found to have violated this. It was actually the ANC leader. I see, I see. And the ANC officials, now we have the Minister of Health facing the all front sorts of yeah. that The messaging that comes mm. out of that comes together with a number of sentiment that come from those who felt yeah. that the lockdown was harsh. I see. Now I see. you kind of not what you lost with the, with the harshness of the lockdown. You're not gaining with the, mm. those who feel that you manage the crisis well. Now, how you handled the vaccine and all of that, quite, it's not quite helpful. The, so, mm. we should expect that the ANC will not make mm. any new ground on the base of it. It will not harness the crisis. Neither will the opposition mm. parties. Because at mm. the same time when it was happening, the mm. DA was facing two things. Mm. One is that it was oppositioning on the day. Mm. Every matter of things that are global consensus about you need to handle COVID mm. this way. Mm. It was oppositioning, which means it doesn't have a position of its own. It opposes yeah. a position <laughs> that is out there. I see. But the I second see. thing that it, it allowed crisis internally in the, in the DA to just eat up its energy. The whole of 2020 was occupied by crisis mm. that are self-inflicted mm. and all that. So and they, they continue. are likely to yeah. do that. My analysis is that the smaller parties might actually gain interest somewhere. Interesting. Yeah, the, the, the EFF also did not gain a lot out mm. of this. Mm. It, it, the EFF is hampered by the fact that its conditions of COVID-19 does not allow a normal strategy, which is mass mobilization. I see. 
Marxism can happen to another. So smaller parties. And also, you would not believe the, the IFP mm. positioned itself very strategically right through. Interesting. Interesting. First, it supported the government dance. Mm. And it talked very tough when the diamond itself abandoned its own staff. I see. So I see. it kind of it played to that middle ground and I think it was conscious of it. UDM also tried to do that but the problem, mm-hmm. the messaging came from the same person uh-huh. all the time yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. But we'd have to watch and see mm-hmm. but definitely there are certain outliers like uh, the former mayor of Johannesburg mm-hmm. who's been campaigning very hard mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. kept his thing and that must, they might come in from the side and they could come in strongly in a number of big metros and they've been on the ground in a big serious way. Mm-hmm. So I'm not seeing a lot of clever political strategizing mm-hmm. from political parties Interesting. to harness Interesting. a crisis, but the crisis can always uh, give you an advantage, especially if you're outside mm-hmm. the state power. You can say anything mm-hmm. because you can't be held accountable for it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you are not having the power to implement. Sure. You know, when you're outside, right. you always have bright ideas. Yeah. You yeah. have the best ideas. <laughs> so you can present those best ideas. Very we true. vote for you Very on true. the basis <laughs> that the best ideas maybe are implemented. Mm. But they haven't done that. I see. promise a bit. They are not promising. Mm. Interesting. Any takeaways then from the by-elections, which have been, uh, the by-elections have been sort of seen as a precursor to the, uh, the the election to take place this year. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if we if we read those those, those by elections uh, significantly, they would say the ANC still has an advantage. Mm. That's what they, they did, oh. and it certainly says the the DA is conceding space. I see. The DA was conceding, was mm. losing a number of awards, uh, but the ANC was gaining an award. Mm. It says the EFF remains where it is or it declining. I see. Because that's other the EFF lost all lot, all sorts of areas, which simply means the status quo kind of remains. Mm-hmm. But the NC is also declining, mm-hmm. though it is ahead of the others. I see. That tells us we're really moving, you know, electoral system towards a coalition, a coalition government with the ANC under fifty percent over a period of time, mm-hmm. and and that is partly because the NC does not know how to use its advantage mm-hmm. and build on it and put that. Sure. And that also because the other parties have also learned terrible things from the ANC. Mm. They repeat the ANC mistake of self-inflicted problems. Yeah. <laughs> like so see. it's a serious. For our political system, it suggests to us something would be born mm. in our system in the long run, mm. outside the mainstream. I see. I see. The sad thing, though, is that these dynamics relate to the centre-left and the centre-right. Mm-hmm. So the moderate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we thought that, that, that was quite going to be our hope. And there were some who believed that the hope would also be on the outer flanks all the way. But sure. both the ultra-conservative and the ultra-radical mm-hmm. also suffered. I see. Now we I must see. wonder, where is mm. this going to come from? Mm. Are we moving towards the, the electoral systems and political systems of, of, of Central Europe mm. where power comes from a motley group of a, it doesn't come from a particular center mm-hmm. or left or stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just a coalition of mm-hmm. a number of groups of mm-hmm. of interested parties yeah. that cobble yeah. something together. <laughs> sure. But whether that would work for us when we have such huge institutional problems mm-hmm. and structural issues, mm-hmm. we'll have to a lot to think about. That. Quite a lot to think about. And now Prof Zondi, uh, you've recently published a, a paper on COVID-19 and the return of the state in Africa. 
in the journal Politicon, uh, which is Africa's leading journal on, on politics. Um, how did you go about writing this paper? Um, how, well, and what would one find in that paper, uh, reading, uh, reading through that paper? I was actually um, called for a radio interview and then a TV interview. Mm-hmm. Well, radio was in a vernacular radio station, Sindebele radio station, Mganolone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, and then a TV, TV station, I can't forget, if you don't remember what it is. I was amazed that they were asking the same question, both of them. They were asking um, whether COVID-19 has strengthened the hand of the state. I see. So that that got me thinking, are we seeing a return of the state mm-hmm. where we've been seeing a res- the state receding? Is it coming back and asserting itself? I started now to look at what has happened in a number of countries where the state had been weakened, had become discredited, had been associated with something to put away from, privatize everything, go for more private services and stuff, avoid the state, go to mm-hmm. NGOs and stuff. But all those situations where they do that, and find that indeed, sure. the, 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 the international approaches to COVID-19 mm-hmm. require the state to be at the center. I see. And then as the state do that, they then learn to be at the center. Mm-hmm. And they start to assert themselves. Sure. So even in areas where the state was forcing itself, you find that now the state's authority has become more accepted or even invited. Wow. wow. That that. Sure. But it might also be, the paper suggests, it might have to do with the fact that in crisis, people decide a lot less on the basis of the values they have and the thoughts they have, mm. a lot more mm. on existential I see. Demands. I see. I see. What do they need in order to exist another day? Sure. It's 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 not theories. It's not ideologies. Mm. It's not it's not all the values and stuff like that. But it's about what do we do when we have to survive? Mm. There are very few gentlemen sure. in the mud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are very few gentlemen during the crisis. Mm. Even a gentleman become a thug mm-hmm. in the crisis <laughs> in order to get out of that. So yeah. I guess that is what it is. It looks that democracy is a gentleman's game, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, which mm-hmm. might be wow. temporarily or permanently, mm-hmm. because we don't know whether these changes are permanent or permanently, mm-hmm. be uh, put aside just to deal a crisis and maybe uh, see how it goes. So, but the, the, the paper does not have a conclusive uh, outcome okay. in relation to that because it's, it's developments that we have to watch uh, how then because the COVID-19 strategy which mm. comes from the World Health Organization plays mm. the state at a bad, it's called a risk-adjusted strategy. Mm. Now the post-COVID-19 strategy also comes from these global governance institutions mm. mm-hmm. and these global governance institutions mm. put us in a situation where the state led the mm. crisis mm. response. Mm. Now what what is called Building back better, which is the post-COVID, which is expected mm. to last for another 15 years. Mm. Wow! Also places the state at the center. Interesting. And the state, the state is organizing every every organ of thing and stuff. In my mind, it says institutions of global governance are built by state. I see. They are not non-state. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They may be supranational, mm. but they are state. Mm-hmm. So the state at a global level has helped the state at the national level. Interesting. I have not come across that. <laughs> but yeah. it is not a, an automatic rescue. In Southeast Asia, mm. the state performed excellently. I 
Interesting. It contained the crisis where it started. Mm. And the crisis, by the way, in East Southeast Asia was only about three months. Mm -hmm. For the rest of us, it's been more than a year. Yeah. But for them, in China, mm. three months, yeah. two months, yeah. the state was able to effectively do that and begin the post-COVID recovery. I see. Then, I see. even to this day, if you look at the World Health Organization, and if you look at the World Trade Organization figures, you look at the, the, the UNCTAD, mm -hmm. the UN uh, Conference uh, on Trade and Development, figures show that the economic recoveries in Asia mm -hmm. began in August, September. Wow. wow. We were not even thinking about beginning wow. or dealing with the, with the economic crisis. We were dealing with the health crisis, mm -hmm. even to this day. Mm -hmm. The United States, the biggest economy, mm -hmm. has still not got into, mm -hmm. into the post-COVID started. It's still coping Only with the Only a few crisis. stimulus packages yeah, here no. and there. Yes. Yeah. Europe is also, except for Germany, mm -hmm. Uh, by the way, except for Germany and East European countries, it's also caught up in sure. dealing with the, the aftermath of the crisis. I see. So it be very interesting to see how that uh, plays out. On one side, the state, at a global level, has strengthened the hand of the state. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, the outcomes are determined by what the state themselves mm -hmm. do with that newfound power. I see. Some are mm -hmm. using that newfound power to lose it even more. Am I using it in order to consolidate sure. it? Sure. But I think on this basis, it might be that the future mm -hmm. is East Asian developmental states. Sure. Wow. <laughs> Both <laughs> in their response to the health crisis mm -hmm. and their response to the economic crisis. They behave a lot better. Mm -hmm. They've shown a lot better outcomes. Mm -hmm. But they don't have beautiful democracies. Yeah. So the beauty yeah. of their democracy, perhaps and, the and beauty and of a democracy is not actually what you need. Mm -hmm. It's the effect of it. Interesting, but already the uh, it would seem the trade war continues between the U.S. and and China, and uh, we might say there are those who are uh, sort of charmed now by the Chinese model, uh, which was already actually gaining a lot of ground even before COVID, uh, especially in developing countries in the global south, mm -hmm. uh, at least for some of them. Um, but there's been a strong, uh, uh, almost on a bipartisan basis in the U.S. Uh, reaction against uh, uh, really the, the Chinese model uh, gaining sway globally uh, and really suspicion of anything that uh, that looks like uh, the, the Chinese model. And now, I, I want to touch a little bit more on the concept of building back better. Mm -hmm. uh, linked to this has been also an understanding that uh, the global economy is changing mm -hmm. uh, and domestic economies are changing sure. uh, and with them the politics. And a part of this is, of course, technology. Uh, the digitalization of, of politics. Um, are you optimistic about the role that uh, the, these technologies are going to play? Uh, we've just seen earlier this week um, the shutting down of Twitter in, uh, in, in, you and I were just talking about this in Nigeria, but then the uh, yeah, people circum, uh, circumventing those restrictions with things like VPN. Uh, so what's your long-term view on, on these things? Do you think, uh, you know, technologies can... Uh, help uh, the state become even more assertive uh, in a sense, or do you think maybe the power will ultimately lie with the people? Uh, crisis can be incubators, in my view. They can be incubators for what works for the future, because they give us an a opportunity in a very short space of time mm -hmm. to see all manner of possibilities in a thing for us to take decisions now. Technologies, especially communications technologies, were very crucial mm -hmm. 
in the fight against COVID-19. That's how we all got to know what we needed to do. Even before government communicated to us, Twitter had already communicated to us, or people have communicated to us through Twitter. Mm. So this technology enabled people to lead in many, many ways that we least recognize in a way. That the technology is also enabled some states to manage. If you look at how Southeast Asia used the technology, including the, um, the digital imaging uh, to track and trace people, um, the spatial, uh, the geographical spatial, spatial systems, and how they use all of those to do that, how they install cameras throughout the entirety of South Korea and use the cameras that are used for managing traffic. I see, uh, I see. to now also manage sure. uh, human dynamics and pick up body temperature from a distance. There are beauty of technology. And because they have been doing this for a period of time, it enables that. So part of the outcome of the paper that we're doing was that the, the study of COVID-19 is teaching us that very few countries are doing are finding something new that is successful now. But they are harnessing what they already had mm-hmm. used for something mm-hmm. and they're using for something else. I see. Is it I mean? I so, yeah, so, so those countries that have not been behind the curve in terms of digitization, they suffer the consequences of doing that. And by the way, that includes European countries because their digitization has been slow because their societies are very stable and they've been able to use traditional ways of it. Europeans are very traditional, by the I way. See. And East Asians are very technological. Mm-hmm. So technology everywhere. Uh, for example, think about the, the camera system in in Milan mm-hmm. uh, and parts of, of Italy. Mm-hmm. Could not help them because it's only restricted to big urban roads. But that's the only compromise you could make with the mm-hmm. people who believe in democracy. Mm-hmm. We don't want to have cameras everywhere invading our, pro- mm-hmm. our, our privacy and stuff <laughs> like that. Now, sure. when they needed help, their choices, the pre-COVID-19 choices mm. in terms of technology and its penetration of society, limited their ability to do this. I see. I see. They had resisted the 5G because it comes from China, but they were also resisting it because they think it's an evasion of privacy. I see. I see. So they did not have the 5G to assist them mm. both to fight COVID-19 and to track the outcomes of it mm-hmm. and to begin the building back better. better. Sure. And the East Asians had adopted that and do that. If you come to Africa, countries like Cote d'Ivoire, like Rwanda, mm-hmm. countries like Morocco, that had accelerated digitization, Mor- Mor- and Mauritius, found that useful to help them I see. go through the trouble. I see. So I see. even data they have is much more reliable. Even the mechanisms they put in place work very well. Rwanda managed the thing very, very well. Mm-hmm. But it is not what Rwanda did during the crisis. It was what Rwanda had done before the crisis sure. in terms of uh, introducing technology to its small, small-scale agriculture, technology into retail industry, into their mining, mm-hmm. through, even to the well. management of the, yeah. of the climate yeah. and management of forests. Yeah. Yeah. And it long done that, including the drone technology. Yeah. Yeah. Now you use that capacity which you have to face a new crisis mm-hmm. because you cannot use a crisis you don't have I see. to face a crisis. And South Africa has had a much more sophisticated access to technology, but very little domestication of it. So we supply all manner of technology throughout the whole continent, but we realize that we don't quite have it here. Just think about just the fact that we have 
six of the leading data companies in the world. Mm-hmm. But people just 15 kilometers out of Joburg mm-hmm. could not access data mm-hmm. because our data was our data infrastructure mm-hmm. was meant to provide the urban centers in the mm-hmm. center of the city because we thought where we thought work happens. Mm-hmm. Suddenly people went to work outside the center. Now infrastructure sure. is in the center but people are working out of it sure. and the system could not cope. So we have the infrastructure per capita, you know, in, 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 in total and stuff, but, but per capita, it's weak. And we couldn't use that. So we didn't have actually the capacity we thought we could do. Second, South Africa is a manufacturing economy for over 150 years. Mm. But South Africa, even unlike uh, Mozambique, even, by the way, unlike Madagascar, a small island, did not manufacture even a single mm vaccine mm. or a, a single pharmacopoeia to assist in the burger. Mm. We didn't even manufacture a pill sure. to assist during the day. Sure. Yet we're a manufacturing country. Mm. Why can't we use that capacity to manufacture cameras sure. in order to manufacture PPE? I see, I see. Like that. See. And, and it also has to do with leadership as well. Mm. Prof, uh, thank you very much <laughs> yeah. for sharing your insights with us uh, on this podcast. Uh, excellent work uh, that yeah. you are doing. Thank We're very happy to have you in the in the department. Yes, thank you. Politics is about everything to Absolutely. do with life. Absolutely. And livelihood. Absolutely. Thank you, Prof. Thank you.